1: Welcome, Small Biz Select members, to your monthly platinum telecoaching call. I'm Rick G., the Prince of Profits, and I'm here with Ron Patel, the Sultan of Sales. And today, Ron has a great topic you're going to love, especially if going to networking events is part of your business and your marketing strategy. The 10 characters you meet at every networking event, which one are you? And, you know, as I think about all the networking events that I've been to and continue to go to around town, I, I think I've met every one of these 10 characters. So as you listen to Ron's presentation, think about which characters you're like, which ones you'd want to be more like, and also which ones you definitely don't want to be like. So without further ado, here's Ron with the 10 characters you meet at every networking event. Which one are you?
2: Thank you, Rick. And I guess today I will not play the part of the Sultan of Sales. I'll be more, I don't have a good name, maybe the networking Neanderthal. (laughs) So on the surface, you know, networking is simple, right? You go to an event, you've got a great product or service, and you've got a bunch of people in the room that are other business people that you can sell it to. Wrong. So what we're going to talk about today is how to approach networking events, what to do while you're there, but of course, more importantly, Who are these 10 characters that you meet at every single networking event, and which one are you? It's simple to go to these events, but many people don't strategize how to do it successfully, and hopefully I can teach you a little bit about that. Um, We're going to teach you the flaws today made by most people when they go to these events. We're going to learn the not-to-do things, but we're also going to give you some to-do things, uh, maybe a to-do list to do while you're networking. So this presentation is guaranteed to help you earn more business if you follow the strategies I give you. So the first character you're going to meet at every networking event is Chris the Card Shark. And you all know Chris, but let me tell you a story about an event that I was at where I met Chris. I was walking down the hall to one of my regular networking meetings that I attend monthly. And this short, fair-haired gentleman approached me walking quite briskly. He acted as if I was in a hurry, as if he was in a hurry, sorry, and I noticed that he had left the person he was walking with way behind in the dust, just sprinted away from him. I quickly glanced up to the man who he left in the dust, and he had a confused look of disarray. His expression screamed, who was that guy, and what just happened to me? So the short man leaned into me like he was going to pass me the baton at a 4 by 100 meter relay in the Olympics. In his hand, though, was not a baton. It was not a gold medal. It was his business card. And he stated, so proudly, can I give you my business card? I just smiled and said, sure. I knew there was going to be no getting out of this one. See, what you've got to realize, this man was on a mission, Chris the Card Shark. He was on a mission to give out as many business cards as he could, as many that was humanly possible, because he had a room of 60 people that were in this room, most of them entrepreneurs, that he could get his message to. So after I took his sticky and unprofessional business card that had been obviously printed on Vistaprint because it was stated on the back that it was printed on Vistaprint, and any person who's a business owner knows that you can get free cards printed on Vistaprint, he immediately followed his arrival with a request for one of my cards. And I said, oh, great. I can't wait to see how often this guy... He's going to try to follow up with me, but he was playing the numbers game. He's in the firm belief that the more business cards he gives out combined with the more business cards that he obtains, the richer he's going to become in his life. And I I hope you know And if you don't, please understand this is simply not the case. Most people, yourselves included, are put off by this approach, and it will not work if you're going to try to do a good closing percentage with the people that you interact with. You ever played darts? At a bar, at a sports bar, at a restaurant, there's a reason why you don't three all, throw all three darts at the one time. And if you throw all three darts at the one time, there's no way you're going to hit the point that you're going to hit. There's a reason you throw one at a time, and you want to find the strategic people that you want to meet at these networking events. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here. But the interactions that you have at networking events should lead to forming relationships with people that play a bigger role in networking for success. Don't focus on the people that are at the meeting. I mean, don't take that the wrong way. You're, you want to focus on them. You want to listen but do But don't count on those people at the event being the people that buy your product or service. Focus on forming relationships with them. Focus on how you can help them out. And then they will become your referral partners and make your business a lot easier to earn new customers. Just don't be like Chris and throw as many things as you can at the wall and hope that something sticks. I promise you, you'll wear yourself out. You'll become discouraged more easy. Focus and own in on the people that are better suited for your product or service and find out who the people at the event know. Find out who the referral partners are that you can earn at that meeting. And guess what? Everyone at that meeting is not going to be your perfect referral partner. No one at that meeting might be your, your perfect referral partner, but somebody they know could be that perfect person. So train the people that you talk with into the exact kind of prospects that you were looking for. And we do this at some of the networking events I host in Albuquerque called Synergy, where we, do, uh, we have groups of four. And this is a good exercise to do if you're not in our group. Is you have groups of four, and people interview each other for five minutes, and then they, we stop, and then everyone has to introduce someone else in that group to the room. And it really shows how well um, you've described what it is that you do and who you're looking for to other people when other people have to come out and present that to a room, because that's the impression that you had on this. the second person you're going to meet, the second character you're going to meet at every networking event is good old Billy Bullseye. Now, Billy is your perfect client. And a lot of the time you will run into your perfect client at that meeting. So who is it that you're targeting? You know, there's a symptom out there that a lot of of business owners suffer from, and it's called the everyone symptom. And there's a very well-known entrepreneur by the name of Bill Glazer. He says, when you're selling to everyone, you're selling to no one. Or when you're selling to everybody, you're selling to nobody. So what does he really mean by that? Well, most of us entrepreneurs, we, at some point in our entrepreneurial career, we, we struggle with this thing is, what if I forget someone? What if I go out there and try to sell my business or product or service to people and I forget to target that person? Am I leaving business on the table? Am I leaving money on the table? And the answer is no. Your business cannot be for everybody. Because if you can't focus on one kind of person, you're not really going to be able to focus on anyone and not be effective with your marketing. I mean, so often I am at a networking event and I run into another business owner and I say, who's your bullseye? Who are you targeting your product at? And nine times out of ten, that answer is everyone. If it's a realtor, they're like, oh, anyone that wants to buy a house if it's a personal trainer, anyone that wants to lose some weight or have a good workout. And unfortunately, it limits your potential as a business owner. If you narrow down who it is that you're targeting, your success will be much greater. So think about that. Who is that perfect client? Think of who that perfect client is. Think of that client that you have that is a, uh, a pleasure to have in your database. The person that it doesn't really take much effort to satisfy them because your business is suited perfectly for them they spend a lot of money they don't complain a lot um, they might be referred to as a low-risk high-reward client we'll talk more about that later um, but find out who they are find out as much as you can about them and then find out how you can go out and get more just like them and when you're attending networking events form relationships with people and ask how they can help you tell them that you're looking for these kinds of people and then find out if they know those kinds of people. Don't try to sell them the person at the event. Find out if they know someone that is Billy Bullseye for you. And who knows? So you might just run into Billy Bullseye at the event. So my business, my primary business, um, I might have a couple. But my primary business is just dining. where a multiple restaurant delivery service. We coordinate takeout and catering from dozens and dozens of restaurants to people at their home or their office. They go home just like Domino's, you order a pizza. With us, you place an order, and restaurant food shows up at your door 45 minutes later. So we have a customer that's kind of a Billy Bulls. Kate works for a large pharmaceutical company, and she orders lots of food from different restaurants two to three times a week to doctor office clients because pharmaceutical reps are going after doctor offices um, to prescribe their drugs. So they buy lunch for the whole office to get the meeting with the doctor. And then uh, the whole office enjoys lunch, and then the pharmacist does their sales presentation to the doctor. Now, our drivers that work for tips love Kate. They love the fact that when they do an order for her, they know it's going to be a large order. They know it's going to be in a hospital. They know it's going to be lots of food, lots of drinks, lots of bakery items. And they make a lot of money on their tip because they give high-level service and Kate tips very well, um, and they just love doing it. So when you can find these Billy Bullseye customers – you know, your staff will enjoy their job better with these people because it's more suited to what your business is suited to do. And, of course, more motivated staff will make your overall business better. So I ask you, who is your Kate? Now, the way I found Kate, in case you're curious, was when we started Just Dine-In, we did a lot of research to find out who, who is the ideal client, who is the Billy Bullseye. And we found some, some really good Billy Bullseyes. Out there. It doesn't have to be one person. It can be a few people. We found there's companies that, that uh, more often than not do meetings uh, and have food provided for those meetings. So there's engineering firms, there's law firms, there's accounting firms that are in tax season. Um, and our success in our business is based off of food sale. We work for a commission. So the more food we sell, the more money we make. So we looked at our business and we said, all right, we deliver food to a house. You get home, you don't feel like cooking. Get online. We deliver $20 of food to you and your spouse. That's awesome. But I can do 10 of those orders for every one $200 order that a pharmaceutical rep does, and I make the same amount of money, yet I have 10 times less risk because I'm only doing one order. Instead of trying to process 10 orders, that's 10 chances for something to go wrong and negatively affect and impact my business. So obviously it's more profitable for me to go out to the large order. So that's how I, how I determined who my Billy Bullseye was, um, or my Billy Bullseyes were, uh, because when the business began, we knew that we could uh, buy a mailing list for offices, uh, we knew that we could buy mailing lists for residential. We knew that people wanted food. Um, but we really narrowed down pharmaceutical reps um, as a kind of client, a Billy Bullseye, that we could go after. So I learned as much as I could about them and uh, found some online forums, found out who they were, really researched what it is that they go through. Um, you know, I could have taken that time and effort and put it into buying a billboard on the Freeway or a TV ad. Uh, but I'm quite confident that the ROI I get from this kind of marketing is more effective and a better ROI than doing those traditional advertising methods. Oh, and I forgot to mention that her husband, Jason, uh, he's a customer too because he is also a pharmaceutical sales rep. And uh, both of them order from our service regularly. So it's nice to have a Kate in your business. So who's your Kate? The third character you're going to meet at every networking event is... Laura the Listener. Now, Laura is a pleasure to be around. Laura is just fun. And what you have to remember is when you go to these events, you want to listen, but don't speak. Just because there are words coming out of your mouth doesn't mean that everyone's listening. You can sit there and talk to a wall or talk to your pet bullfish Sammy all day long. But this communication often is a one-way street. So Sammy's not taking in the information. Your goldfish isn't listening to you. The wall isn't listening to you. And this is often the case when people go to networking events and all they do is talk about themselves. I remember a time I was at a networking event, young girl, probably uh, probably in her late in her early twenties, and she was trying to sell me, I think it was a jewelry jewelry product or something, or a line of jewelry that she carries. She was obviously new to the company, she was new to sales in general, And she can continually interrupted me. Uh, all she would do is keep spitting out the features and benefits of her turquoise jewelry, and, and, and i just try to like, get a word in, and she'd interrupt me again. So I just gave up. I just sat there. I let her keep going and going and going. I went along with what she was saying, didn't even try to speak. So after about 10 minutes, I think she finally realized what I was doing or what she was doing. So she paused, and she gave me a chance to ask a question. So I pretended I was a little curious. Uh, and asked us, I I can't remember what the question was, but I remember it, just, it was like a five word question, and then she proceeds to answer the question, only half answers it, and then continues to spit off features and benefits about how great the jewelry was, and how it lasted forever, blah, blah, blah. That was not Laura, the listener. That was more like Talia, the talker. <laughs> Try not to be like that. I mean, It's not a bad thing to talk about you and yourself. Of course, you're there to tell people about your business, but I encourage you to be more like Laura, Laura, the listener. People like to talk about themselves. And if you want them to give you business or refer you business or help you earn business, let them talk. Ask questions. Be interested and listen. Don't hear them. Listen to them. Okay? Look them in the eye. Don't let your eyes wander around the room. Don't start looking down at your watch, your phone. The phone's a a big, big distraction. Um, look down at a paper in your hand. You know, it's okay to once in a while look away and look back or look, you know, at a, some, a prop that you might have in your hand, but don't start looking around the room and acting on interest. Take a genuine interest in what they're saying. Um, just because their product isn't for you doesn't mean you don't know someone that you can help them with. So ask questions. Ask how the service works or, you know, ask how their product is made. Find out who their bullseye is. You know, find out who Billy Bullseye is for lower the listener. Um, they might not know what you mean when they ask it. Tell them what you mean by it. Who's the perfect customer? Who's that one they, they, can, uh, they can target? And if you can send them a referral, you will be uh, reciprocated in the future, nine times out of ten, I guarantee you. When you are attentive and you show interest and you really listen to people, and when you really pay attention to what someone is saying, you'll be amazed how much more interest they are in what you do for a living. And it will not be that hard to get business from this person's network of people. Try it out. It will amaze you. So after Laura, you often will meet, now this one is a two-person combo. This is Ronda Risk versus Robbie Reward. So we talked earlier about a low-risk, high-reward customer, so... You know, what, what is that? So let me give you some examples. Let's say that you own a small coffee shop, and there are four types of customers that you encounter in this coffee shop. So the first kind of customer, grab a pen if you've got a pen handy. This will kind of help if you can see it as I'm talking about it. I understand this is just an audio conference and not a visual. So four types of customers. You're gonna, number one is low risk, low reward. So you're a coffee shop owner. First one is low risk, low reward. They come in once a month, they buy a cup of regular coffee, and they leave right away. Okay. So on average, they're spending two bucks one time a month, so 24 bucks a year, leave right away, really not a hassle. They're low risk because really not a lot can go wrong with that transaction. And they're low-reward because they're just spending 2 bucks a month. You're not going to pay your mortgage or your rent, sorry, with 2 bucks a month. The second kind of customer you're going to encounter is your high-risk, low-reward customer. Now, this one is really the worst kind of customer or client to have. So in the example of the coffee shop, they come in probably once a month. They buy a cup of regular coffee. They try to haggle down the price with your young man or woman at the counter and holds up the line, offends half the patrons in the coffee shop, starts cussing up the storm, and then storms out the door saying, they are never gonna come here again. So this is obviously a low reward customer because they only come in once a month. They buy that $2 cup of coffee like in the first example, but all they do is make it an unpleasant experience for both your staff and for your customers. So they are high risk, low reward, the worst kind of client we wanna have. Those are the clients. That you want to encourage to go to your competition i know that sounds funny but i would much rather these clients buy their food from somewhere other than just dine in because of the nature of the kind of client they are the third type of uh, customer you're going to encounter is a high risk but a high reward so in the coffee shop example this is someone that comes in every day they don't just buy a regular cup of coffee they buy a latte they buy a pumpkin spice latte in october Excuse me. They buy a peppermint mocha in the winter. They buy a, 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 a vente, I think they call it at Starbucks. It's just the super large one. Um, they try all different things, but while they're trying that, they start complaining about the price. They start messing with the person at the counter, or if it's a guy, he's hitting on the young girl at the counter, holding up the line, cusses like a sailor, and just breaks a big stir every time they come in. Then they ask to speak to the manager. Then they go out and hold up uh, the. People buy the rest. I mean, it's it's this the person that's just a pain in the butt to have in the coffee shop. But you think to yourself, well, they're spending so much money. They're coming in all the time. They're buying the lattes. They're buying the pumpkin spice, the peppermint mocha. You really don't have to. The fourth kind of c- customer or client that, that you'll encounter, and this is the one we want to try to move all our customers to, whether you try to train the high-risk reward client into this, or just go out and find more than at the low-risk, high-reward clients. This is the person that comes in every day. They buy the high-end, expensive coffee drinks. Sometimes they buy it for the whole office. They compliment your staff. They tip your staff. They're friendly to others. They open the door for an older lady coming into the, coming into the coffee shop. They are just a pleasure to have around. And that really is the low-risk clients, the Rhonda risk versus Robbie reward. The the best example I heard was that coffee shop example. So, you know, on the surface, every business is different, but really deep down every business is eerily similar, and they have these four types of clients, the low risk, low reward, the high risk, low reward, high risk, high reward, and then we want the ones, the fourth option, which are the low risk, high reward clients. Number five, the fifth person fifth character you're going to need to every networking event that you go to. is going to be Linda the Learner. Now, Linda is a prepared young lady. Linda learns the format of the networking event ahead of time. She finds out where the event's going to be. She takes a look on Google Maps to see if she knows where that is. She sees if she knows anyone else that's going to the event. Sometimes these event technologies, the one that I use for my networking events, sometimes will show you. Um, who the other guests are that are going to the event, uh, Linda makes sure she 's got enough collateral with her business cards, uh, flyers, menus, whatever it is that Linda sells uh, for a living or what she 's trying to accomplish by going to this event. Linda has a copy of all of that prepared um, you know the way I learned this was the hard way i 'd been in business about three months, just signed in was just open, and I was on a mission to go out and meet as many people as I could to grow the business and I was you know I was a lot like Chris the card shark back then I was trying to get my menus out, my business cards out to as many people as I could. So I was invited to attend a speed networking event. It was called Strategic Networking. Uh, a couple of ladies named uh, Ray Lynn and Rhea Boxler ran this event, um, or they owned the company. A lady named Sarah Means ran the event, and they did such a great job. And I didn't know what speed networking was, and I didn't take the time to learn what it was. I just said, networking, people, let's go. Sell my product or service. So I figured there would be, you know, 10 people at the event. I, told, I was told it wasn't huge. But I only brought a couple menu guides. I'm like, how many am I actually going to talk to? You know, our menu guide, by the way, it's, it's our primary sales piece for the for the food delivery business. It, it's what we use to communicate what it is we do. It gives clients a visual because it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of tough to explain what it is that we do. So when I can give them a menu guide of all the different restaurants so you can have all this delivered, they go, aha, I get it. It helps me. So I get to the event, and after I've been there about three minutes or so, I realized I was grossly unprepared. See, at speed networking events, you meet every single person at the event. So there was, I want to say, 12 to 15 people there, um, and I think I brought maybe four or five menus. So at speed networking, you sit down, you sit across from someone, and I do these events myself too. I host them. Uh, bell rings and I talk about my business for two minutes and the person across from me after the two minutes another bell rings and they talk about their business for two minutes and then one of us gets up and rotates to the next table and you end up meeting every single person at the event Um, so obviously after the fourth or fifth person I don't remember how many it was I was out of menu guides so the first four or five people understood what it is that I did and they had a menu guide and then the next five to seven unfortunately I didn't have anything left to show them and my networking was, was not as good. So what you have to understand before you go to an event is what is the format, and there's all different kinds of formats. There's speed networking, there's group networking, there's just let's put a bunch of people in the room and let them mingle. There's there's games that they play where you get to interact with people. Um, there's networking events at bars, there's networking events at restaurants, there's networking events at furniture stores. If you want to find out as much as you can to be just like Linda, the learner. So take the time to learn the format of the event, and you'll be prepared and professional in how you describe your product or service. The sixth character you're going to meet at every networking event is good old Ricky Relationship. Now, I spoke earlier about how networking for business is not just a numbers game, and I'm going to expand more on that right now. So networking or you know, even business in general is about relationships. Relationships bridge gaps. I couldn't, cannot begin to tell you how valuable relationships have been for me over the past year um, as I've been forming a new business that I'm forming right now. Um, and I've been an entrepreneur at, at the time of this recording for seven years, and I've been developing relationships all over um, the country and, and mainly in New Mexico where I live but all over the country, and I cannot begin to tell you how valuable some of these relationships are are and are now paying off for my business. Um, so I definitely practice what I preach, and I'm not telling you stuff that I don't do. Um, because even to down to the fullest detail, the people that you form your strong business relationships with will become your strongest referral partners. So I, I want to give you some example of these. Um, I was at a Young Professionals of Albuquerque event, uh, which is a group I'm involved in. I sit on the board also for Young Professionals of Albuquerque. It was a lunch event. We had the publisher from the Albuquerque Business First, which is the, the newspaper for Albuquerque, the business newspaper. And I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm in the first or second row watching the speaker uh, who was the publisher of the paper. And at the beginning, he asked that everyone kind of introduce who they are and what company they're with so we knew who was in the room. So everyone does that. And the guy sitting behind me and to the right, this guy, his name was uh, Seth. I won't give you his last name. But his name was Seth, and he works for a local printing company and uh, equipment company. And he mentioned he had a love of uh, of soccer. That he was a soccer player his whole life. Well, I also happen to be a soccer fanatic. I played soccer my whole life. I follow soccer. I'm very passionate about uh, world soccer. I was raised in England. I go. I'm going to the World Cup in Brazil uh, as an England fan. So I just kind of casually brought that up to him. Hey, can I get a, your business card? I'd, I'd love to chat more with you about this. Uh, so it was great meeting him. So that night, I sent an email saying, "Hey, it was great to see you, Seth. Uh, I'd love to." chat more about your business and, and see what it is that uh, what you guys do and learn how I can help you. So I sent that email out the, the afternoon and uh, I've lately been doing this practice where I try to send a thank you card every single day, a handwritten thank you card to somebody that I've come, in, come into contact with or somebody that's done something for me or it could be personal, it could be professional, it doesn't like anything. Um, so I sent him a thank you card and how it was great to meet him. It was more of a generic card and uh, that I'm looking forward to meeting and talking more with him. So, I did throw in there, you know, let me know if there's anything else I can ever help you with, um, with, with your business. And he, he, you know, my email signature has uh, just signed in it. And next thing you know, I get a response from him saying that his boss um, is planning an open house for all their clients. And they were looking to do some food. I'm like, great, you know, maybe I'll get a, a sale out of this, like 20 or 30 bucks. So I followed up with his boss, and it turns out his boss is throwing an event for 50 to 60 people. Like, but they just want, you know, hors d'oeuvres. I'm like, okay, great. You know, this might turn out to be a $100 or $200 sale. I said, yeah, I, I can do these little, you know, finger foods and this and that. He goes, yeah, but really, I, I want to, this is a few days later, I want to uh, feed my entire staff a lunch as well and then have some snacks and hors d'oeuvres. When all was said and done, I had a $600 order for just sign in, all because at that networking event, I turned around and said, you like soccer? That's awesome. I like soccer. We should hang out. Turned around, got his card. We hadn't even met again since then. And uh, before you knew it, I had a $600 order for my business. Um, and, and this happens a lot at uh, the, the group I run, which is called Synergy and at YPA. I'll run into people. I'm not focusing on giving them a menu guide, which, as you know, and I've said already is my primary sales piece. I'm not focused on getting my business card in their hand or selecting their business card. I'm just focused on forming the relationship, and it works. Um, The relationships I formed in YPA alone, the Young Professionals Group, has been amazing. I get more business from that group than I get out of any of my other networking groups just because it's like-minded people. It's people around town that are the movers and the shakers. I know that I've positioned myself well in that group. I now sit on the board. So I've got good, good relationships with the board members as well as with the regular members. So... Because of this approach, I I am successful in my business, and I am showing you that that, uh, I I do practice what I preach, and I'm not just giving you theory here. This stuff does work. So let me give you another example of why relationships and why Ricky relationship is a good character to run into at a networking event, why you want to be more like Ricky relationship. So let me give you two scenarios. Let's say you suffer from acne. Okay. You, you have acne, it's a problem you, you you deal with. So scenario one, every day when you're getting ready in your bathroom, your, your acne bothers you so much you cover it up. One day you get up, you get ready to go to work, and your best friend, look, I just bought this acne curing product. It's from the store down the road. It works amazingly. I love it. It seems to be working where I'm not having to apply it every day. It's getting better and better. I highly recommend go check it out. You need to find it. So think about that. You know, you know her. You work with her. You like her. You trust her. You're going to take your opinion seriously, and she tells you that she bought it from product X down the road. down the road. So that's scenario one, okay? Scenario two is now imagine on that same day you decide to take a personal day. You're just not feeling good. You think your acne is acting up, and, you know, I'm just not going to look good today. So you start sitting in bed kind of, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, and you're flipping through the channels, and you come across a cheesy infomercial. It's this new glop that's going to cure your acne. And you watch it for about five minutes because it's a sensitive topic for you, but then you switch to regular programming. And you know that the glop is available at store Y, not store X, but it happens to be just across the street from From store X. So the next time you go down to that strip mall, are you more likely to go to store X from scenario one, where the the woman in the cubicle next to you told you about it, or to store Y because of scenario number two? Think about that. Someone that you respect, someone that you know, like, and trust is telling you this heartwarming story about how the product has made her life that much better. But on the other hand, you've got a cheesy infomercial that claims that this will fix it for you, and it's at store Y that's a national store. I think you'll agree with me when i say that nine out of ten people will insist that scenario one is the one they go with and, and the point i'm trying to make is that because of the relationships you have with people you can influence their decisions they can influence your decisions and of course when they're talking with other people they're going to tell you so if your business is uh, a plumber and somebody tells that person you know my sink is caught, the first thing that person's going to want to do is say hey you need to talk to this person. I know them. I like them. I trust them. They'll take good care of you. And the whole point of that example is relationships matter. Just because they have your business card at some event that you gave them to doesn't mean they're going to call you for the product or service. And I encourage you when you're out at networking events, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, If you start talking to a plumber and your house has stupendous plumbing Nine out of ten people will assume, well, look, there's no reason to talk to that person, right? No. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. And, in fact, the reason I use the plumber's example is because I remember being in a chamber event a couple years ago, ran into a plumber. Normally, most people would say, oh, I don't sell the plumber. See you later. I just start talking to him, and we're just talking about business in general. Turns out his sister is an administrative assistant at a large law firm in downtown Albuquerque. And guess what half of her job is every day? Ordering food for meetings. It works, people. I'm telling you. It works. Relationships, relationships, relationships. I took the time to listen to this guy. I showed an interest in who he was. I tried to help him out. I communicated to him who my bullseye is, who Billy Bullseye. I wasn't Chris the card shark. I did play the part of Laura the listener. And now I have a loyal customer to this day who is the plumber's sister. The seventh character you're going to meet at every networking event that you go to is Frankie follow-up. Now, Frankie could be Frankie follow-up, or he could be Frankie no follow-up. There are two Frankies in this world. Now, which Frankie are you going to be? So I ask you, and this is obviously a rhetorical question, but what is the point of networking and going to events if you are not going to follow up with them? Really ask yourself that question. You know, there's times when I go to an event and people seem so passionate about what it is they do and they're trying so hard to let me give them permission to sell to me. And I just, you know, I'm curious sometimes, so I'll say, go ahead, yeah, Here's my card, send me an email, I'd love to hear from you. And so many times there's just nothing. No email follow-up, no call, no card, nothing. I'll tell you a story about a guy, I'm going to, Protects the innocent by uh, changing his name, um, but let me let me call him Frank Thompson for today. So Frank Thompson was a uh, or is I guess a, a business consultant and speaker from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I met Frank at a networking event about three or four years ago. He had just moved to Albuquerque pretty recently and started attending events. And he made a really good first impression. He's very professional. He had a bit of that you know East Coast attitude going on. You know what I mean? But East Coast. People tend to have a lot more energy, I think. And he seemed like a real go-getter, someone that would be a great speaker. And it was a half hour event, so we're sitting there sipping on a cocktail, talking about each other's businesses. And, and he started to, to talk about some of his uh, gripes, some of his, his uh, complaints, I guess. And he started complaining about how it's, it's really hard to penetrate the Albuquerque market when you're not from around these parts. And and I agree to some extent, but I did comment, um, and I that look, you know, it can be done. And I commended him for being at the event and, and letting him know that uh form the necessary relationships and you'll and you'll find you'll finally meet people. So, you know, I just kinda of felt snot a little bit and uh he claimed he speaks all over the country and and uh so I let him out on a little secret that at the time I was president of the trade association for my industry that's called the RMBA. It's the Restaurant Marketing Delivery Association. We have an annual convention every year in Vegas that at this point I was planning every year. And one of my jobs was to bring in speakers. So I explained to him in the President of the Association and that uh, one of the hardest part of my duties on the board was finding the right speakers for my group. And I shared this with him because it seemed like Frank would be a, a great speaker for this. So I told him about the conference and his eyes lit up like a kid at Christmas. Uh, it became the focus of our conversation for the remaining two hours. He just would not stop talking about how great this sounded. He gave me his card, which was a decent card, um, got my card. He's like, I can't wait to follow up with your proposal, uh, and this is, just seems like the perfect thing. I knew I should have come to this event, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I met you, um, and, uh, and that was that. And believe it or not, I never heard from Frank again to this day. I've never heard, I know he's around. I see him on social media. I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned that this guy that claims he speaks all over the country. I'm saying I can, can get him a, a speaking gig in Las Vegas, Nevada, at an international trade association, and he did not follow up. So I, yeah, I had his card, but if he wasn't going to follow up with me, it's not the quality of person that I'd like to put in front of my industry, with my reputation at stake. And I've uh, just never never talked to him again, and I see him that he's around uh, still on social media. But uh, I guess his loss for being Frankie, no follow-up. So which one are you? Are you Frankie follow-up, or are you Frankie no follow-up? And I'm not saying you have to follow up with every single person that you meet at a networking event, but the valuable leads that you make and you feel like you've got a connection with, follow up with them. Communicate who your Billy Bullseye is, and then when someone appears that you think that you can help uh, reach them, that you can help them uh, reach their black line. Sorry, I've got to play on words then. Follow up with that person, help them out, and uh, it will come back around to help you. The eighth character you're going to meet at every networking event is good old hairy handshake. Now, I remember being in DECA class. Those of you who don't know what DECA is, it's a high school business and marketing program. It's offered in just about, in most high schools, I'd say, around the United States. It's a marketing program. It prepares high school upperclassmen um, for business uh, that want to be business majors in college. It's a great, great group. Um, my, my instructor when I was in high school, his name was Jack Terry. May um, he rest in peace. I passed away a few years ago from cancer, and he had such an influence on my life. And preparing me for business, which is what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that. And he, I remember him teaching us the uh, the keys to a good business handshake in high school. And he, he did this whole exercise in front of the room. He'd make each one of us come up there and do it. And it became like an inside joke with some of my buddies in high school. You know you're goofy in high school. And we'd see each other in the halls near our lockers. And we'd say, hey, Mr. Richardson, how are you? It was my old buddy Bobby, Bobby Richardson. I'd walk up and... We kind of clench, give a firm grip, lean in, look in the eye, three strong shakes, not too strong, but firm shakes of the hand, and we would just do it as a joke. But what I realized years later is this became a very good practice. Um, so I'd like to introduce you to three characters uh, that I was not going to introduce in the first place, but three three characters that I think are... Uh, Handshake characters that you want to meet. The first one is Charles in Charge. Now Charles in Charge walks up to you and and he he shows total control of the handshake. You walk up, he'll give you a firm handshake. You make sure his palm is firmly on top of yours and tap down on it. That's Charles in Charge. The second handshake is uh, sometimes can be known as the, the Oreo cookie. I call it Terry two-hands. Terry two-hands is, is mostly uh, used uh, is mostly used with someone that, that you're familiar with. and Terry two-hands will shake your hand with the right, follow up with the left, and then close in on it on the other side of your hand, and your hand becomes like an Oreo cookie. So Yours is the cream in the middle, and then the other hands are around it. That's Terry two-hands. The third one is, is Fre- Freddie finger shake. So Freddie finger shake is often younger, New to the business world, Um, supposed to be a handshake, but Freddie turns it into a finger shake and just kind of gives you a few fingers and very lightly touches your hand, uh, kind of extends the fingers in lieu of the entire hand. And if you are like Freddie, I encourage you to uh, try to change into a full handshake. And a lot of the time, and this is my sister told me this, a lot of times that uh, uh, men will say that they give a lighter handshake to women because of an occasional Freddie finger shake. Um, men and women shake hands the same way most often. If you're Fred, uh, extend your whole hand without cupping, and if it is a light grip, you'll extend a more professional handshake too. My sister is complimented on her handshake all the time. She's a very strong, confident handshake, and she tells me she gets tons of compliments, mainly from men, on how what a good handshake it is, and she she feels that uh, a man instantly respects her firm handshake, and that other women hold her in, in higher regard with her technique. And uh, she enjoys the benefits of a good, strong handshake. So hold the hand firmly, shake two to three times, maintain positive eye contact, and that introduction will go well for you and Freddie. The ninth character you'll meet at every networking event is good old Nora Nonverbal. Now, Nora is very wise in her ways because she understands that nonverbal communication is very important. In fact... Albert Morabian, he was a psychology professor from UCLA, uh, has claimed based on his research that 60 to 70 percent of all communication is nonverbal. Now, it may seem like a high number, but he did extensive research in, uh, I believe it was the 1960s, that came up with this number. And uh, he says that body language in business can refer to many things, but eye contact may be the most important. And there's nothing more annoying than talking to someone. You know this. I don't recommend When the eyes start wandering around the room, uh, it feels kind of insulting or rude, and it's not an effective way to build strong relationships. So, on that note, Ralph Waldo Emerson once said When the eyes say one thing and the tongue another, a practiced man or woman relies on the language of the first. Let me say that again. When the eyes say one thing and the tongue says another. A practiced man or woman relies on the language of the first, the language of the eyes. So start looking at them immediately at the beginning of the conversation. In some cases, you may be looking into someone's eyes to grab their attention to initiate the conversation. Um, Don't confuse good eye contact with staring. You want to blink, as usual. And about 90% of the conversation should be spent with eye contact, 10% without. It's okay to look down. Um, once in a while or look at their name tag or look at, you know, maybe an accessory they're wearing or a watch or something. Um, You could look at a business card or a piece of literature they handed you. Uh, But 90% of the interaction should be spent talking to the person with eye contact and the other 10% without eye contact. Now, eye contact sometimes can make people feel uncomfortable. Um, And if you feel that is the case, you can tone it down. Sometimes it might be good to invite someone else into the conversation. Uh, you can ask an opinion-based uh, opinion question uh, to the person that you're talking to, and if they give their answer, give your answer and invite someone else nearby. Hey, you know, we just talked about this. I'm wrong, by the way. I'm curious as to what your take is on this. Uh, it's certainly not rude when the transition is done smoothly, and it makes that first person that might have been a little awkward feel more comfortable if there's more than just two people in the conversation. Uh, you also want to consider personal space, too. If, if any of you are Seinfeld fans, you may remember an old episode with Kramer, when Kramer was uh, the with the close talker and how he gets into personal, people's personal space. You want to uh, there's a really good diagram you can Google and you'll find it's pretty easy to find. A guy named Edward T. Hall came up with personal reaction bubbles. So you want to Google that. That's a writer downer. Edward Hall's personal reaction bubbles. So who Edward Hall was? He introduced the world to the term proxemics. And proxemics is the study of measurable distances between people as they interact with one another. Now, he theorized that there are four types of space that are perceived by a person. And, again, Google this. Look at the – if you want to pause this, if you listen to this on recording, those of you who are listening live here, just write this down and go back to it. Um, He theorized that there's four types of space. So the first one is intimate space, and that is one and a half feet. Now, keep in mind, let me just interject here. These, uh, these different um, types of space that are perceived by people are in the United States. If you're, if you're doing business overseas, uh, there are different rules and different cultures, but this is for the United States. Intimate space is considered one and a half feet from someone. Personal space is considered from one and a half feet out to four feet. And then social space is considered from four feet to 12 feet around. So from 12 feet in is social space. Then when you get to 4 feet, that's considered personal space. When you get to 1 and a half feet, that's considered uh, intimate space. So if you can remain between you know, 1 know, 2 feet from them, that's usually a safe distance and personal space, but you don't want to violate that intimate space. And again, if you Google the uh, Edward T. Hall's personal reactions bubbles, you'll see that. If you're in their intimate space. You might know them really well, but I would suggest staying out of the intimate space. Uh, or maybe you're looking for a different kind of networking event. I'll leave that one alone. But. And then finally the tenth character you're gonna meet at every networking event. And and this guy's one of my favorites. And he's he's Gary the Giver. And Gary the Giver just likes to give. And networking is a two way street. And your side of the street is not just about you. It's about finding out how to help others out. Simply put, the more you give, the more you get. And no one epitomizes this more than a good friend of mine, his name's Ben. And I can't give you his last name because he's a financial planner for a large international firm. And I know that if I give you his last name or his firm's name, he'll get in trouble with the compliance department 15 years from now and uh, lose uh, respect to his <laughs> compliance department. So I'm not going to give you his last name. His name's Ben. He's a few years younger than me, and this guy has done nothing but impress me since the day I met him. He runs a local uh, strategic alliance group in Albuquerque, where I live. Um, and in this group, he's led this group now for a few years, and it's, it's brilliant. It's, uh, we attend, I think it's the third Monday of every month at 1145. We do quarterly luncheons. Sorry, not quarterly luncheons, quarterly uh, happy hour events. And uh, he utilizes this group to say, all right, we want to keep business in the group. How can we all refer each other? He encourages us all to meet one-on-one um, at least once a year and uh, quarterly with, with a lot of people too. And what we do, we start the meeting going around the room, talking and you know, reminding to the new people who we are, and who the perfect kind of client is, how we can refer each other better. Um, but, of course, what Ben does, is he uses this group to position himself to all the other members Um, so they can refer him well to it. And Ben is a referral machine. I have never seen anyone try so hard to refer people to other people's businesses as I I see Ben. And, And people in Ben's circle of friends and in the strategic advisors group that we're in, strategic alliance group, myself included, we benefit tremendously from it. I've gotten business numerous times because of Ben's referrals. And he just gets it. He knows that if he goes out of his way to help out, then the law of reciprocity is going to come in into place and you feel like you should return the favor. And, and why wouldn't I? I am now a client of Ben's. Um, I have referred other clients to him too. Uh, he sent me some awesome referrals and there's companies that still order. And his firm orders, uh, usually once or twice a month from um, my food delivery service. Um, so he does take the time to follow up with me once a quarter. I mean, I have a uh, Roth IRA account with him. And, uh, I mean, it's a very simple thing, and he knows my plan is long-term. I don't make any changes, but every single quarter, he makes sure to go grab a cup of coffee with me and talk about my, my Roth IRA. But, you know, he's smart. He's just using that at FaceTime. He, he wants him to be front of mind with me um, so that when I find another referral, part, or another referral candidate for him, I can refer him. So uh, I'm just continually impressed with Ben. And uh, if there was more bends in this world, business would be a lot easier, let me tell you. So those are the characters that you're going to meet at every single networking event. So look back at that. Uh, If you're listening live, you will get a copy of this uh, recorded. If you're listening to the recording, which one am I or which ones am I out of this group? And learn from the good. Kind of Look away from the bad, and I promise you that uh, these tips will help you become more successful because there are so many people that say that networking does not work for them, and I say, hooey, it works. Good luck, and I wish you continued success.